Hey, Schmazettes, you're listening to Listen Listen with Patty and Emily. I'm Patty. And I'm Emily. Five, six, seven, eight. Patty and Emily most obsessively talking about all your favorite Broadway shows. Patty and Emily thoughts and comedy from Broadway Super Fans. From Broadway Super Fans. We're here with Carolee Carmelo in her dressing room at the Lunt Theater. (laughs) Hey, guys. Thanks for being here or inviting us here. (laughs) I'm here most days. (laughs) We're going to start out with our 10 questions that we ask everyone. Uh Uh-oh. Yeah. I should have done some homework. Okay, Uh, what are they? It's just um, sort of um, top of your head, quick response. Okay. Okay. Do you know Beth Level? Absolutely. (laughs) Good. (laughs) What show do you most want revived? You mean to watch or to be in? Either, both. both. Oh, wow. Um, You know, I've been saying for years that they should revive Falsettos, which I think they're doing (gasps) now. Yeah, true. Yeah, and I guess I'm too old to be in it now, but I'll watch it for sure. Um, I know there's been like 100,000 revivals of Gypsy, but I'd really like to play Mama Rose someday. Yes. Yeah. So I'll vote for those two. But that's okay. a show that will always be revived. Yeah. It probably so, will, but always yeah. with like a movie star. They're not going to put me in it unless I do it at like the North Shore Music Theater. <laughs> we'll see that's it. a show that can still sell itself though. People do love Gypsy. Yeah. I mean, it's an amazing show. It's yeah. probably one of the best written of all time, yeah. but... Nowadays, everybody wants uh, TV stars and movie stars in everything. Yeah, cut Matt to Morrison. yeah, <laughs> cut to the marquee at the lunch. Except he's a Broadway star because yeah. I saw him first in A Light in the Piazza. It's true. Yeah, and South Pacific, he was yeah. amazing. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So yeah, there are some people that are posing as TV stars who actually <laughs> are real live theater people. Um, but Kelsey's great too, and he. Mm hasn't done a lot of theater, but he has, you know, he did Lacage and yeah. um, what was the other show that he did years ago with the Weislers? He just was talking about that the other day. You'll look it up and yeah. edit me in. Um, <laughs> but he has had some theater experience and he, you know, he has a great sort of presence and he's doing a fantastic job. So I'm not going to criticize the two in my show, but everybody else. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, well, here it says he did two productions of the Scottish play. On Broadway? Yeah. Really? When? I don't, uh, this is from IBDB, so, um, 2000, that that looks like it was a, um, tour maybe, or? No, that was like a month-long thing. Oh, you know what? I have his, um, and in the 80s. What? Yeah. Oh, he was... He was a, oh, a he was a replacement of the. Oh. Are you supposed to call him the, the Scottish King? Do you call him the Scottish King so you don't say the word when you're inside a no, theater? Not really superstitious, so you can mm. say it if you want. <laughs> Emily oh, gets mad at me when I do it. He I like to respect people's wishes. Here. That's oh, oh. This is like oh wait, his, I just saw his bio Frasier? online. It, no, it basically <laughs> no, it says, says like it doesn't even say that. It says Kelsey Grammer is excited to be back on Broadway. Right. It's been four years since he played George in the Tony Award-winning Lacage. That's great because they gave us Welcome. all fifty words, and oh. I think Kelsey was probably like fifty words. That's I can't hilarious. write any of my credits in fifty hmm. words, so I'll just. That's fun. Wait, you were on an episode of Frasier, though, right? I was, like, and I haven't even talked to him about <gasps> that. 
You should bring it up. How did and you know that? Have we talked about that? No. You just know. No, I just know a lot about you. <laughs> I, I'm a big fan. Well, we also... And all of the Frasier episodes are like on Netflix. So yeah. you oh, yeah. can watch it. And we tend to, if we are watching a rerun of something, if we see a Broadway person yeah. in a show just doing like an under five or whatever, a guest role, we'll be like... Hey, Broadway this person. person is on. Uh, <laughs> Kate Baldwin's on SVU right now. Yeah, right, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, That's a long time ago, though. That Fraser episode. Yeah, it's great. Next question. Yes. Uh, have you ever fallen asleep on stage while pretending to be asleep or dead on stage? Yes. Well, not. I wasn't exactly pretending to be asleep, but there's a scene in Mamma Mia, which I did for four years. There's a scene right before we sing uh, Dancing Queen where I get like angry at the other two women in the scene and I get onto the bed and pull the covers up over my head. And I'm not really supposed to be sleeping. I'm supposed to be sulking or Mm -hmm. crying or something. But I'm basically under there for a couple of minutes while they start singing Chikatita. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And a couple of times I was so exhausted that I was like, and I would wake up and go, Oh my God, I'm like under the blanket going, did I miss my cue? Okay. All right. They're only on that first. Okay. That's amazing. (laughs) It did happen. People rarely answer yes to that question. Really? It's like a miracle when they do. Oh, you know, I had, when I was doing the show, I started doing the show in 2004 and I had um, a three-year-old and a seven-year-old or whatever. Mm. So I was exhausted. Sure. (laughs) And that show is exhausting by itself, but, Mm. you know, add, you know, young children to the equation. And so sometimes I would just like be sleepwalking Mm. up the stairs to my dressing room and then I'd like wake up. (laughs) One of my favorite stories from, oh, you want to do the rest of your 10 questions and then I'll throw my story in. No, no, no. All right. This isn't really about sleeping, but it is about being wiped out my son who at the time was probably four or five was in my dressing room at Mamma Mia one day and I wasn't feeling well and um he was watching me come back to the dressing room and change my clothes and kind of like moaning and sort of you know moving slowly and holding on to my you know chair as I walked by obviously not feeling well mm-hmm. And he would ask me, you know, are you okay, mommy? And I would say, I just, I don't feel good. And I I just want to go home. I'm tired. And then I'd go out on stage and he would hear me, you know, singing. And then at the end for the big finale, he went out front with his dad to watch the mega mix that we call it. (laughs) And he came back to the dressing room after the show and he was like, you're all better, mommy. And I said, no, I still feel all, but I just watched you and you looked like you were fine. And you, and I said, well, yeah, that's, it's my job, honey. I have to you know, I have to go out there and, and make sure that I do a good performance because that's what people are paying for. And that's, you know, that's what part of my job is to do that. So he sat there for, I swear it was like a good five minutes. He didn't say a word and he was like sort of stewing on it. And he said, so they pay you to pretend you're having a good time? <laughs> <laughs> and I was like... Yep. <laughs> that, that's pretty much it. Oh, that's so sweet. That's cute. Okay, next question. What's your favorite Broadway house? Mm, the Winter Garden is really good because mm. it's got a lot of seats. I think it's about 1,500, but it doesn't feel cavernous. It doesn't feel huge. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's really set up well because it's, it's wider and... Um, you always feel like you're close mm. to everyone. Um, it has a more intimate feel than some of the other houses that I've played. 
Mm. Um, so I'd probably say that, but I haven't played all of them, so I'm sure there's there's some other great ones that I have yet to see. Yeah. You have to do a million more shows. Yes. <laughs> a million. <laughs> um, Dreamcast us in a show. All right. <laughs> um, let's see. We could be uh, the Ronettes in <gasps> Little Shop of Horrors. <gasps> yes. I just cast myself Don't, with you. Please but, do. You know, yes, yes. The three of us. We, <laughs> that's fantastic. I love it. Yes. The all-white production of for Little Shop of Horrors. We'll make like <laughs> Seymour and Audrey will be black. So there yeah. you go. Yeah. yeah. Reverse <laughs> casting. That makes, yeah. it, makes it okay. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Oh, uh, do you read reviews? Yes, I do. I know a lot of people don't, but I always feel like, first of all, it's one person's opinion, so I I don't usually get too upset about it, but Mm -hmm. if something's out there in the world for other people to read, I kind of want to know what it is, if it's something that's being said about me personally or about my show that might have some effect on me. I just want to know what it is, because I think, you know, the, the devil you know is easier to handle than the devil you don't mm-hmm. so yeah but i try not to talk about it at the theater because so many people don't right. like sure. to read reviews yeah uh what is the show that you've seen the most times <laughs> i don't see shows multiple times but i happen to have seen you're talking about show i wasn't in right yeah yeah, yeah. Um, I happen to have seen Footloose three times, mm. which is my record. <laughs> um, we see shows a lot. <laughs> you guys do, yeah. yeah. I don't see things more than once usually. But um, my daughter was about three at the time and she was crazy about it. And her dad was working next door doing, I think, Le Miz or something. And so we would like take dad to the theater and then go next door and watch Footloose <laughs> every awesome. once in a while. That's fun. <laughs> Who would you fangirl over? Wow. Um, you know, I, I always had sort of, uh, kind of an awe feeling of respect for Betty Buckley. Mm. And I, worked with her one time at Lincoln Center doing elegies and I tried not to fangirl because we shared a dressing room and I didn't want her to (laughs) feel weird about it but I really at the time you know she was one of my idols and I just think her voice is amazing so um I would but I didn't you know what I mean (laughs) (laughs) so I had to see her every day I didn't want to yeah yeah um what was your best and worst survival job outside of the theater Hmm. Well, I was a perfume model at Macy's. So I would be one of those people spraying people in the aisles, you know, at Herald Square. I worked there. Like Um, Joey on Friends. Yeah. Oh, did he do that? (laughs) I forgot about that. Um, That was kind of one of the best, actually, because even though it was very awkward and people were always like, oh, my God, don't spray me. (laughs) Um, It's still, you know, it was easy and it paid at the time $10 an hour, which was a lot of money back then. And I was happy to have it. It was very flexible. And if you, you know, if you wanted to work for four hours, that was fine. Or three hours, if you had an audition, you know, they would let you go. Um, my worst was probably, um, I, I signed up with some temp agency that was looking for actors and they would send people 
to random jobs. And one time they sent me down to the financial district with like a giant box of cigarettes to pass out samples. Have you seen people on the street passing out samples of things? Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Probably not cigarettes, cigarettes anymore. No, no, yeah. like Red Bull. But at, right. <laughs> at the time it was cigarettes and it just was oh, so random, like standing on a street corner, giving people <laughs> cigarettes. That's so funny. Cigarettes. That's weird. Ooh, last question. Oh. If you had comps and a time machine, what would you see? Wow. Um, I think I'd want to see the original production of Gypsy. I mm. think I'm sort of obsessed with Ethel Merman right now. So, uh, you know, recordings are amazing, but I, I would love to see something like that in person because yeah. it's, it's probably not something we're ever going to see again. Mm. Yeah. Those are our questions. Mm. All right. You're in Finding Neverland right now. What? (laughs) (laughs) Back from a a lauded production in Boston. Bridge, right? Boston. And you had a bit of double duty on your way here. You were in Atlanta doing Tuck. Everlasting. I was. And it overlapped a little. Tell us about yeah, it. That it was sounds little, crazy. It was a little complicated, and I didn't really think it was going to happen. Um, so we weren't sure what was happening with Finding Neverland after we closed in Boston. They never... I mean, they. it was weird because they sort of announced on opening night up in Cambridge that the show was going to New York. There was some weird, like, press leak. Mm-hmm. And then we were all walking around backstage going... Did you see that on Broadway.com? Broadway, but no one said anything to us. So we were all like, okay, it's either happening and they're not taking this cast or it's not happening and this was just like a weird thing. So we didn't know what was going on. The whole run went by. No one told us anything official. No one got any offers. So I had um, Tuck Everlasting that I've been working on for years and I really wanted to continue with it because it's a really nice show and mm-hmm. a nice part. Um And so I accepted this job in Atlanta and then Finding Neverland sort of, you know, decided they were, they got their money together and they were going to make it happen. And then I was like, well, it's a Broadway show. So I guess I got to do that. And I got to walk away from Tuck. So we were in negotiations with both of them at the same time. And then suddenly the two producers, unbeknownst to me or my agent, (laughs) talked to each other and worked it out and came to us. And they were like, so this is what you're going to do. You're going to fly down there. You're going to fly back here. You're going to go to the first day of rehearsal. And we were like, whoa, what? We worked it all out. We had no idea this was happening behind the scenes. So I can't really take credit for the idea. But I guess um, they felt at talk that at least Casey Nicola, the director and the producer who was Beth Williams felt like it would be good to have me there to open the show. Mm -hmm. But then they were willing to let me leave before the end of the run and the famous Tony award winning Beth level took that place. So they had no slouch there. Yeah. (laughs) That's so funny that they just did that for you, that both parties really weird, really wanted you to be a part of their projects that yeah. badly that they worked it out for you. How, how exciting. That's awesome. It's very you. flattering. I, it was kind of shocking because, <laughs> you know, usually things like that don't work out. So you never even ask for it, but it was very nice that they tried to make yeah. it happen. 
And here I am. It worked yeah. out. So we'll see if well, Tuck ever happens. We saw Finding Neverland when it was in Boston. No spoilers, but can you give us a little idea of what's maybe different? What's or- changed? Well, aside from the cast changes, which I think sure. are kind of huge because it changes yeah. the tone of the show mm-hmm. a lot. But the um, the whole opening is different. The, like the first 20 minutes or so of the show is very different. They wrote a new song uh, that basically takes place at the opening night of J.M. Barry's previous show mm. before Peter Pan. Like how the movie opens. Is, does it? I don't yeah. remember that. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. I, I haven't seen too. the movie in yeah, years. it's like a flop. Right. Yeah. Right. The Wedding Guest is yes. the name of the play. So, <laughs> so they have all these sort of socialite London people, and this is, this is the new opening and, you know, talking about, how the show's not really working and J.M. Barry's frustrated and then he meets the kids in the park and mm-hmm. the story sort of gets jump-started. But that's very different from what it was in Boston. Right. Um, let me think of other changes. Um, they added 10 songs for you. <laughs> <laughs> and no. <laughs> um, I, I'm a little sad that my, my little scene that I used to have in the backyard with Sylvia is now... It's kind of the same scene, but it now takes place in the middle of the street hmm. after the dinner party that we go to at J.M. Barry's house. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, you know, it's just, they. I think they decided it would be better for the flow of the show to go right from the dinner party into that and into mm-hmm. her big ballad. So um, that's a change that's affected me. Other than that, my show hasn't really changed that much. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We can't wait to see yeah. it. see it again and also see all the changes. Yeah. Exciting. Yeah. I mean, I think you'll notice things, but I also think the basic tone of it is mm. the same. Mm. I, I love it when you see a show like in previews or like out of town or something. And when you see it again and you're like, ah, it's like, I don't really remember what's different or know what's different, but it's just better. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah. that's exactly what they're hoping yeah. will happen. Yeah. Because they don't want people to say, what happened to that song right. I loved? <laughs> mm. But they do want people to just feel like it's come together in a way that... Mm-hmm. It hadn't been before. Yeah. yeah. And you've gotten, like you were saying, you've been working on Tuck for a long time and you worked on um, Scandalous, also known as Finding Amy. Yes, many or years. Saving Amy. Saving. I mean, finding Amy. <laughs> finding Neverland. <laughs> saving Neverland. For a long time. So, yes. like, what's the process of starting a show almost from the beginning like that? Yeah. I mean, these days it's really, it's years in the making, you know? I mean, this one... I did the first workshop, but I think they had um, they had a reading. Well, of course, there was the London production that happened right. of this show, and then mm-hmm. they decided to change the whole creative team. Yeah, that's so, right. So it has been years in the making, but um, it's you know it's fun to be involved from the beginning, but it's also kind of frustrating because you you get a show that you really like. Mm-hmm. And you want it to like happen now. Like I want it to be on this sure. season. And you know it's never going to happen. But you have to go through all the years of like, let's do another workshop. Let's go out of yeah. town. Let's, you know, it used to be in the in the old days they would do like New Haven and then come in and that was right. it. But it doesn't happen anymore. I think because things are so expensive that yeah. they have to make sure things are right before they decide to do a Broadway production. Yeah. So you just got to kind of have a lot of balls in the air at the same time so that whichever one happens to, you know, come through first, you'll be attached to it. Sure. Because they don't, you know, they don't really have 
like auditions for I mean I guess maybe they do for ensemble but um if you're going to if you want to play like a principal role in a Broadway show, you don't just get an audition like as it's coming to Broadway. Usually, mm-hmm. I mean that happens sometimes. You do on Smash. Yep, you do. <laughs> is that what happened? Well, you were on Smash. I know. I, um, I have to say, I don't well, know the first way. episode is like one of the characters like gets off a bus from like Iowa, go walks into an audition, sings a pop song, and they're like, "She's going to be starring on Broadway." And you're like, "That that's no, yeah, no, that's not what happens." <laughs> it probably did happen at one time, yeah. but I don't. Betty think that- Buckley. Was the closest anymore. we found yeah. to that actually happening? Really? Yeah, because yeah. she was seventeen seventy six. She like came. She was like fresh, fresh in New York off the bus, and wow. she booked it. Good for her. Well, mm-hmm. she's got an incredible voice. I could see where that would happen. Um, yeah, I mean, you know, you have to sort of get your get your fingers in all the pies that you can, so that whichever ones are actually going to happen, you'll have a shot at. And even then, you have no guarantees. You know. I, all of us in this show have done readings and workshops of shows that then went on and we didn't get taken along. Mm-hmm. You know, you, they don't promise you anything. You do a reading, you do a workshop. I mean, I guess if it's a real workshop contract, you have a right of first refusal, but they don't even have to do that because they can just give you like whatever it is, three weeks mm-hmm. pay and you're out. Mm-hmm. So there's really no guarantees. So you have to just hope that you're making some kind of impression and that people will want to keep you on board. It's a very unstable business we're in. Yeah. It sounds like you made an impression. Oh, well, I hope so. Thank you. I got so many questions. She has so many questions. Let's talk about Scandalous. Okay. I loved Scandalous. You did? Yeah, I saw it many times. Really? I enjoyed Scandalous. <laughs> I saw it one time. <laughs> that was enough. Uh, I saw it. Well, towards the end of its run a little bit. So I probably would have seen it a couple more times if it had been around a little longer. But I think I, I went to like problems. third preview. Did you? Wow. Yeah. I was very excited. It was Thanks great. for coming. Thanks. Of course. It was probably the hardest I've ever worked I mean, in a show. You can tell. Yeah. It was you, not it was like a in a bad way, but you no, were like, like... How many minutes off I mean, stage did you have in that entire show? Like like seven? <sighs> Probably not even because there used to be, I don't know whether this change happened while we were in previews or before, but um, George Hearn's character, the the preacher who sort of is her nemesis, he used to have this big song in the second act, which was my like one time to go back to my dressing room and sit down and have a drink of water. And then they cut the song and I was like, what? <laughs> so... Um, yeah, I don't know how many minutes I had off stage, but it wasn't much. Hmm. And I like that kind of show. Um, the thing that made that show hard, actually, was that the singing was really, I mean, it was really rangy, mm-hmm. and there was a lot of preaching, which was really hard on my voice, that kind of like, yeah. sometimes sometimes talking can be harder than singing in a way. Yeah. Um, so it was it was a definitely the hardest vocal workout I've ever had. I mean, it was physically hard, too, because it was just a lot of time on stage and mm-hmm. running up and down those stairs and all that costume changes and stuff. But I think Mamma Mia was probably more aerobic workout, sure. just all the jumping around. Mm-hmm. But yeah, vocally, that was a beast. So what was it like? Correct me if I'm wrong, but you are not a religious person. That's true. 
What was it like developing Scandalous with Kathy Lee, who is a very religious person? She is. And one of the composers uh, is a Scientologist. So, and the, uh, one of the other creative team was Jewish. So it was a real mixed bag of people, but everyone was really respectful. I have to say, and Kathy was very protective of the story because she had been studying Amy Semple McPherson for years and she knew everything. And, um, she just wanted to make sure that the story that she wanted to tell was told. And so she was never like preachy with me ever. Um, and I don't think she was with anybody, but she was, you know, adamant about making sure things were accurate as much as they could be. Mm. Sure. But yeah, it was weird because I had people coming up to me like at the stage door a couple times and saying, you know, we're from her church and we just want to pray with you. And I was like, Okay. Yeah. Um, Did a lot of people from her church come to see the show? One one of the times I saw it, there were people sitting next to me were like, we're from her church. And I was like, <gasps> yeah, right. I was so curious. I didn't like, I think I moved to a different seat at intermission. I was so curious what they, what they thought, thought of the show. if they yeah. liked it. All the people that spoke to me after now, there could have been opinions that I didn't hear. I'm sure there were, but most of the people seemed really pleased with it, that they felt that, even if we played with some of the dates and like some of the, the relationships with the men were kind of, um, fictionalized a little bit because they didn't happen at the same time. But Mm. I think for the purpose of storytelling and intrigue, they wanted to make it like a love triangle, which didn't really happen in real life. But, um, I think they were pretty satisfied with the fact that, you know, her story was out there mm. and that people knew about her because most people she's, don't. She, she's fascinating. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, neither of us are religious either, but yeah. um, that that's, if if it's an interesting story, it, it doesn't matter to me. Right. right. Um, and it makes it even more interesting than when you add in the whole, like, <laughs> scandal right. <laughs> idea of, you know, the disappearance and... Well, I think it's an amazing feminist story too. Like, yeah, she, yeah. she was pioneer. like, for that time period and how many people mm. were going to that church. I mean, it's amazing the the community that she was able to build. Like, yeah. even with like her, you know, I forget what George Hearn's character's name was, but, you know, her real life haters. Who right. Were like, and there were Get that lady of off there. Well, sure. Women shouldn't be preaching. <laughs> right. Well, because she, she was a showman, you know, I mean, she really put on a show in those services. And she was very charismatic, apparently. I mean, I've only seen, like, little newsreel clips of her, but Mm. people say that in person she was dynamic Mm. and, you know, really had charisma that couldn't be denied. So she always drew people. And people said she really healed them, you know. There were, like, tens of thousands of cases of people saying, you know, this, I couldn't walk, and I came to her, and she healed me. So, you know, there's got to be something to it. Even mm. if I don't believe in God, there's got to be some, <laughs> yeah. yeah, some reason. That was one of the, per- I thought that that was one of the things that really worked in the show was the way the healing aspects were like utilized. Cause like early in previews, there was a scene where when Amy like hears the voice of God and that got changed to a monologue, which was awesome. Really? I Did thought, you like that? Yeah. Change? I thought it worked. So because as a person that doesn't believe in God, when you're like watching a character hear the voice of God on stage, you're like, what? Yeah. 
God doesn't exist. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, I thought it was, I thought it struck a nice balance so that if you were religious, you could be like, yes. And if you weren't religious, you could be like, yes. Mm Mm-hmm. Well, that's good. That was kind of a last minute change. I was just telling that story the other day because, you know, we're in previews here at Finding Neverland. So there are always script changes every day, some small, some Mm -hmm. bigger. And uh, I was talking to somebody and they were saying, all these changes, I'm just like, it's overwhelming. (laughs) And I was like, yeah, I had a monologue in Scandalous (laughs) that they gave me literally like the night before. They were like, here, memorize this for tomorrow. And I was like, Okay. Uh, <laughs> Ready, set, go. <laughs> that's an, that's but intense. I'm glad you liked that because that was really, that was one of those changes that was so late in the game that I mm-hmm. thought, I really have no idea how this is going to play. Mm-hmm. That monologue got applause. Yeah. I don't remember that, but definitely got applause. Okay. Mm-hmm. It was great. <laughs> Thank you. It was very good. <laughs> Written by Kathy Lee Gifford, by the way. So, oh, did you guys have yeah, a lot of shoes. white wine lunches? <laughs> yeah, or like boozy brunches? Yeah. We had some white wine lunches. Um, probably not during rehearsal because I don't <laughs> like, I had to focus so much oh, that God, yeah. it was a little hard if I had white wine. But after rehearsal, we had a couple couple dates. Mm. I mean, Kendall Lee seems like she's a lot of fun to hang out with. She yeah. totally is. <laughs> and she's really smart. And she's really generous with like her time and her energy. Mm-hmm. And, you know, if we were in a restaurant and, you know, the group of ladies next to us were like, oh my God, can we have pictures of you? And all <laughs> she would totally, she would never turn her back on people. She was always like so lovely and chatty with people, mm. even if they were like crossing the line, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because there are those people. Yeah. Like, okay, can we take one more picture? Yeah. And now can I videotape you saying hi to my grandson? <laughs> and now can you, no, like, can you do my okay. voicemail message? <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Oh, what are your dream roles for yourself? Like play things you haven't played yet that you want to play? Well, we talked about Gypsy. Mm-hmm. You know, it's hard because there aren't, as I'm getting older, I mean, I'm in my 50s now, so there aren't that many parts written for mm-hmm. middle-aged women, mm-hmm. you know? I mean, when Ethel Merman was a star, they would write parts for her, you know? But they just... We gotta get back to that, guys. Uh, yeah. yeah. The writers. Get on. on the stick. Um... <laughs> So I'm trying to think because there, you know, I, I'm starting to get to the point where I'm like, I don't know if there's any good parts left for Have you done Mame? I haven't. No, that might be a fun one. Yeah, Mame would be fun. I don't know that they're going to do that in New York again. Yeah, mm. Dolly. I mean, the, yeah, that's that's that same generation. Yeah. But like modern shows, they don't. Next to normal, I think, to, you could sort of open age-wise. You could do next to normal. Yeah, yeah, I guess I could. I mean, they're not going to do it again in New York for a long right. time. So That's by the time true. they do it again, I'll be too old. <laughs> but I think wherever I have you to, do it, we'll I have go to see come. It. Okay, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to hold you to it. Um, I think I have to come up with like a like a story to do. I've always wanted to do a one woman show that's like, you know, not a cabaret show mm-hmm. or a club act, but like a theater piece that was really a story and had, you know. Did you see um, Sharon A. Scott's Everyday Rapture? I didn't. Mm-hmm. But hers was like autobiographical, right? Yeah, a little bit. Yeah. yeah which I don't yeah. really want to do. You just want to do... My life's not that interesting. <laughs> I kind of want to do somebody else's life, so mm. I have to figure out who that's going to be. Yeah. Or maybe a fictional person. I don't know. But I'm not like a writer, so I don't know 
how I'm going to get this done. All of our listeners out there, if anyone's a writer, <laughs> Carly is looking for. Yes. Um, send your inquiries to, to yes. pattyandemily at gmail.com. Yes. <laughs> we'll get it to the right people. <laughs> we'll call Harvey and we'll yeah. have him produce it. Yep. Done. Booked it. We did it. Um, speaking of like cabaret shows. Um, are you ever going to do a show at 54 Below? Probably not. Oh. Why not? I don't know. I just don't like that thing. I know people love it, but some people love it. I, You know what I think it is? I really like performing when it's a character mm. and okay. it's storytelling and it's a costume and a wig mm. and you're becoming this other person. Mm. I mean, the 54 Below cabaret world is really like here's me and here's some songs I like to sing <laughs> and I just don't enjoy that Can you do like a character doing a cabaret I probably yeah. could. 54 below yes <laughs> I think people have done that though probably. haven't they I think there there have been some some of those I didn't see them so they didn't it happen. would have to be really funny yeah. if I did that mm. that it would have to be like a giant like spoof of cabaret acts. <laughs> that'd be great that's a great concept yeah well what about an album? Yeah. I know. People have been saying that for a long time that I should do an album. And I wouldn't mind doing an album. Like, I being in the studio is not my favorite thing in the world. But, again, I sort of feel like I want to have, like, some great concept for it. I don't mm. want to do just, like, here's some songs that I went to the <laughs> studio and sang. <laughs> Because they're nice songs. songs. Yeah, we want to hear like those songs. All day. Like, well, who cares? We I don't care. know. Really? Yes. <laughs> what would you want to hear? What would the God. song list be? Wait. I have Emily songs. Has a song list. Okay. <laughs> I'm going to write them down. I mean, listen, we're not pressuring you into doing anything you don't want to no do. No pressure. Um, but, you know, the people demand it. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, most people who do albums like that who mm-hmm. aren't, you know, Matt Morrison. Um, it's it's a money losing proposition, you know. Yeah, you that's do it, definitely it's, true. It's like yeah. you just do it as a vanity project, so you can have an album. Mm-hmm. But I don't know if it's worth it if it's not like a mm. good product. Like I, you could to- kill two birds with one stone and record a live concert. Boom. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Boom. <laughs> Problem solved. <laughs> we did it. You do a lot of concerts, though. Like, I do some, uh, yeah. Around the country, and um, you've done a bunch of the Broadway by the years, I think, right? That's true. Yeah. Yeah, I don't mind concert work, but again, I, I prefer, like, I guess I prefer the, you know, traditional musical theater kind of form yeah. where... You're a character and everyone else on stage is a character and you're telling a very specific story and all the songs pertain to that story and you don't have to like chat in between (laughs) and say, you know, when Stephen Sondheim first wrote this song, you know, I just... I love your cabaret voice. Yes, this is a great concept. When I was on the train here, now this next song, it's perfect. You're drinking a gin and tonic, aren't you? <laughs> well, that reminds me. When Cy Coleman first... You know, oh, then you have to have great. a part where you, you like ask the bartender to bring you a drink on stage. Yeah. Yes. Mm-hmm. We'll see a lot like of you guys are gonna, I know. More. Yeah. Yeah, yeah right. <laughs> <laughs> great. We can write this show. Okay. We'll Get on it. We'll do it. <laughs> well, do you have your song list? I do. Okay. okay. Let's hear it. What about an album of all men's songs? 
like That's a cool idea. Elaborate Lives from Aida. Goodbye from Catch Me. Ugh. These are just all songs where you have to belt a lot. Yep, yep. Giants in the Sky. Ooh, Into the that's Woods. That's a great song. I Am What I Am from mm-hmm. Lakage. Mm-hmm. You Should Be Loved from Sideshow. Mm-hmm. I'm a Mean Old Lion from The Wiz. <laughs> that's a good one. <laughs> it's fun, right? <laughs> Sailing a from A New Brain. Oh, God, Another oh, Norm Lewis song. Lewis song. Just all Norm Lewis songs. Yeah. Will, Will Finn. Wait, didn't Norm Lewis already do this album? <laughs> okay. You could just recreate Norm oh. Lewis's album. <laughs> that would be great. He's got great songs. Carol the Carmelo sings from Norm Lewis. That's great. You know, the one song that I've always wanted to do that's a men's song, like when people say, come and do whatever no, that concert is where you yeah, backwards. Uh, miscast. Yeah. Both of those. I always wanted to play... John Adams in 1776. <gasps> yes. And, the, you know, the all-female cast of John Adams. Oh, my God. So I could sing, is anybody there? You know, yes. I love that song. Can, can someone produce that? Because I would see that. <laughs> the all-female cast. I love cast. 1776. Me too. And I would definitely see. Uh, or you could sing, um, I can't remember what it's Purely called. Purely the duet. Oh. Uh, yours, yours, yours. Yeah. Well, I, I sang with the... a male Martha. Right. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> or female Martha. All ladies. Yeah, all ladies. Well, well it's ladies. Abigail, actually. I sang yeah. that. Yeah. Abigail Adams, not yeah. Martha. Martha I, Washington I played and Abigail. Martha. Right. Yeah. So yeah. now I can play John. Yeah. Exactly. Okay. Full well, circle. 1776. So much. <laughs> Me too. It's a great show. Hmm. Should we do some internet questions? Man questions. Okay. Oh, this is from Ben on our website. Also, a Twitter follower asked the same question. Oh. Uh, Lizbeth Menzel. Thanks Hi, Lizbeth and Ben. Yes. What was the first Broadway show you ever saw? The first Broadway show I ever saw was Ain't Misbehaving. Oh. Kind of random, but yeah. I was uh, in college. I went to college in Albany, New York, and one weekend my roommates and I came on the train down to New York and just like randomly picked some show that we didn't know anything about. And that was the one and talk about shows that don't have storyline and don't <laughs> yeah. have, you know, characters. Mm-hmm. I mean, they had good wigs and costumes, <laughs> but ain't misbehaving is a review, which is not my favorite kind of show. So I was like, yeah, all right. <laughs> <laughs> I think it wasn't until I saw like Evita that mm. really blew my mind mm. and made me want to do that. Have you ever done Evita? In a dinner theater. I did it when I was younger. Yeah. That's fun. That was amazing. <laughs> what a great show. Oh my God. Yes. That shows. Yeah. That score is so crazy. Fun. Yeah. yeah. It's so great because it's got such, I mean, that's the kind of show that I would love to do all the time because it's got such great singing, mm-hmm. but also great like dramatic moments. Mm-hmm. It's not just like fluff. It's a great story. Yeah. I love it. Yeah. Too old. Um, <laughs> Broadway. <laughs> new shows uh next question is from cooper william b um i'm not sure if Coop, what how cooper identifies it's a boy oh. i've met him william oh great does he go by william or um, he goes by cooper cooper um <laughs> he said the parade ocr is so beautiful that it makes him cry and what is the cast recording that makes you tear up that one actually i i can't listen to it i mean i don't really listen to cast recordings anyway but um there have been a couple times when I like had to sing something or you know I had to remind myself of lyrics if I was Mm -hmm. doing something in a concert or something and I just I can't get through it because it's just so it's so beautifully written but it also has so many like deep memories for me sure (laughs) I mean it was the first time I ever created 
a role from scratch and and made it to the Broadway production. And then it ended so soon and it just broke my heart that it wasn't. I remember driving to work that last like week and just weeping in the car, just like couldn't believe it was the end, you know, like you do in your high school production of yeah. <laughs> Oklahoma. You're like, I can't believe we're doing the last show. <laughs> But I never did shows in high school, but I see people do it now. Um, So, yeah, that does, that's the one that makes me cry. I just hear that opening of Mm -hmm. like the old Red Hills Mm -hmm. and I just, I'm done. That's a beautiful score and a beautiful recording. Yeah. Yeah, it is a good recording. And we almost didn't do it. I'm so glad that we did because the the show was closing. We had a little meeting in the hallway one day at Lincoln Center and they were like, I don't know if we can afford the cast recording i was like oh my god please don't say that this has to be saved yeah Yeah. because all shows should be recorded i agree yeah they don't make money unfortunately that's why they don't do it i mean i guess even if they're not necessarily commercially available but knowing that it's there is at least a comfort and that you can get it sometime maybe in the future i think it's also like the way shows live on like really if they Mm -hmm. don't have a long run is through a cast recording yeah that's because like like when i moved to new york i used to just go to the library and i started in the the cast recording section and i just went to the a's and i checked out like the first 10 and put them all on my you know like i have all of them and listen to them that's how people find really go through all them that's amazing yes wow (laughs) (laughs) well who's gonna do a production of lestat there's no cast recording Uh, there is but it's being held hostage but it's in jail Elton John, if you're listening to this, oh, let, it, loves our let it be free. Yep, he's a big fan. <laughs> I don't know if you want to get into that, but I, do you have any idea why that it's, he has it? I don't know for sure, but my feeling was that he was disappointed at the way the whole show was handled mm-hmm. and the fact that it closed so quickly and he was kind of angry and he just decided that he didn't want it to be out there in the world. It was also right around the same time that he was releasing his own album. Mm. I, I forget which one it was, but we always felt like he, he might have thought that it would take away from that release somehow. Mm-hmm. But he could do it now. Yeah. yeah. Come on, like, Sir Elton. E- even though it's awful that it's not out, I, in the back of my head, just knowing that it was recorded, mm. it's in I the think can. maybe someday on his... Z- yeah, you know, one deathbed or yep. something. That Unless we're not wishing you. Death. Oh no no no. Yeah, no 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 no. Years and years and years from now. Yeah, yeah. yeah um, no, and it was a good it recording because it was you know we did it right after we closed. I think, I think it was like the day after we closed or something. So, you know, Hugh Panero and all those guys sound amazing, and mm-hmm. I'm sure it would be great if anyone could hear it. I didn't get to see it, but it was right around the time when I first moved here. And when I see the the palace in my head, I see the Lestat mm. oh, really? marquee. <laughs> like I Forever imprinted on here, that yeah. Lestat <laughs> I see Beauty and the Beast. Oh, is that where that was? Yeah. Oh, because then they then moved. Moved. moved here, I yeah, think. Yeah, it was here. But I think it was mm. at the palace first. that's where it was when I, I moved here. It. it was here. I didn't see it. I saw that tour in Chicago. <laughs> right. Yeah, with, with Patrick, Patrick Page. Page and Page <laughs> Page Davis. That's uh, so funny. Right. From Natalie Grillo, if you could have dinner with three characters you have played, who would they be and why? I feel like I, I was asked this before. I think I answered this 
on a blog on my website. So I oh, hope I mm. don't contradict myself that right now. Fun though, if you do. But mm. yeah, I think it was Amy, um, Abigail Adams, and Lucille Frank. I mm. think it was those three. When you were hot a, babes, yeah. <laughs> I'm sure that the outfits would have been really yes. hot. Yeah. What would you wear? Yeah, corset, <laughs> all black yeah. leather. Yeah. <laughs> uh, when you were in Atlanta, did you like try and go see any like parade specific sites? I didn't really have time because you know we were rehearsing all day and then doing shows mm. and. I basically opened the show and then left. So the time that I would have had would have been those last couple of weeks of the run. Mm. Um, But I did meet, there was a cast party at this man's house named Steve Selig. And when I was at his house, I was like, Selig? (laughs) That was Lucille's maiden name. Oh, And I was like, I wonder if this guy is related to, but I was afraid to ask him. But he was like fancy Atlanta man. Mm. I got home and I wrote an email to Alfred Urey, who wrote the book right. and who is, you know, a very famous Georgian and mm-hmm. knows people. And I was like, so I was at this party at this guy's house and is he any relation? And he wrote back and he was like, yeah, he is. He's some like distant cousin of Whoa. hers, but they're not like really super proud of the connection. So oh. it's probably good that you didn't bring it up. Oh. <laughs> That's good. That was awkward. But yeah, I wanted to go like to Marietta or, you know, go see the, you know, mm-hmm. the tree where he was lynched or, you know, like the grave's not there. His, his grave is in It's here New in New York somewhere. Yeah. I'm not sure where. Hmm. So, no, I didn't get to visit any sites, but I did meet a Selig. Selig. Yeah. yeah that's so, that's so interesting and funny. Um, we touched on this a little bit, I guess, with the um, mm. Broadway backwards, but Lizbeth Menzel had another question that was, if you could play the role of an opposite gender or like to gender blind cast yourself in a role, what would it be? There's so many great men's roles, aren't there? More than women, I think. Mm. What would I play? Mm. Um, well, you know, this isn't a musical, but this this show was kind of what got me started thinking about doing a one-woman show, which someday I hope to do before I die. But... Um, did you ever see the play I Am My Own Wife? I didn't, but I've heard oh my God. of it. Yeah. He was brilliant, and the writing was so brilliant, mm-hmm. and he played, you know, like a hundred different Jefferson characters. Mays, yes. Right? Yeah. And it was a story, you know, with a beginning, middle, and end, but he played every character and did like wig changes and costume changes and ran around and oh. changed his voice and changed his body language, and it was so like unbelievably inspiring. And I would love to be able to do like a musical like that that's you know that's one person telling a story through many different yeah. you know eyes but um i could never do that show <laughs> i mean i don't know maybe i could but it's not the kind of show that i don't think will get done ever again so mm. but he was incredible i found that really uh he is incredible i mean amazing performance yeah that's gentleman's his, guy yeah. playing a million characters yeah. also. Yeah. yeah. It's true. That's his uh that's his de- his thing. His thing, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I've got more questions. What's your favorite song to sing? Wow. You know, it changes like depending on what mood I'm in and if if I've been doing a show that's very, you know, sort of serious, then I really enjoy like 
doing comedy material. Mm-hmm. And then if I'm doing like something kind of fluffy like Mamma Mia, I'll really like crave doing some serious dramatic song. I think when I, the last concert that I did was kind of a lot of songs that I had done in shows over my lifetime. And I always loved when I got to the moment of singing somewhere that's green because it's just, I mean, it's not a hard sing. It doesn't really like, it's not, it doesn't show off anything vocally, but it's just so sweet. Mm -hmm. And it's just, I don't know. There's something about it that's very satisfying. Mm. So I'll say that for now. Good answer. You said you didn't do, I know this is on your list, but you said you didn't do shows in high school. I didn't. And I know you were like a professional. You worked at, not that you're not a professional, but like a professional. I went to business school. I wasn't really, I I went to college for business administration. Mm -hmm. I got my degree, but I never worked in the Mm -hmm. field. I, I got my degree and then I went away for the summer and did summer stock theater and then moved to New York that fall. So I never really tried out my... So what, like, what made you go do summer stock that summer? When did you start pursuing? Yeah, um, it's a good question. Uh, so I was in college and I was just, you know, doing all my business classes and counting and whatever computer classes. And I signed up to audition for a production of Oliver that my dorm was doing. And I got cast as Nancy and Oliver. <laughs> and it was like the first time I ever did anything. I mean, anything. So I was like a sophomore in college. No choir or anything? In, yeah, I sang it? in grade school mm. choir. When did you know school? you could like really sing? Uh, I, I don't know. I, I never really thought about it. It wasn't something that, I mean, I, I always knew I could sing in the choir, but everybody mm-hmm. was singing in the choir. I didn't feel like I was anything better than anybody else. Um. And I don't know if I really thought that when I was doing Oliver, but Mm. I just really had fun with it. Mm. And it was a good distraction, you know, in the same way that people like sign up for a yearbook or Mm -hmm. do a sport or whatever. So I just did that for fun. And then I did another one in my dorm in the cafeteria. (laughs) I did a production of Fiddler on the Roof and played Huddle. (laughs) And then I auditioned for a local community theater and did two shows with some Albany community theaters. And one of them, I was doing Music Man as a senior in college. I was playing Mary in the librarian opposite mm-hmm. this like 40-year-old man. Oh, sure. <laughs> <laughs> but um, someone who saw that offered me a summer stock job, basically, mm-hmm. and I didn't audition for it or anything. So I was kind of at a crossroads and didn't know, I, I didn't really know what I wanted to do after school. I was thinking about law school. I was thinking about maybe getting an MBA and didn't really know what to do at that moment. So when that offer came in, I was like, this will be fun for the summer. I'll just go up to this resort town and do a little Mm -hmm. show for the summer. And it'll be like, you know, a way to clear my head. And then I'll figure out what I want to do in the fall. And so I went up to Lake George, New York and did, they're playing our song, got my equity card. Yeah, it was fun. Yeah. Um, I didn't even know what actors equity was at the time. I, I know it makes people mad when they hear the story, but I was, I I can still remember standing in my mother's living room and 
I was on the phone with the producer of the show and he was like, you know, we want to offer you this job, but you're going to have to join Actors Equity. And I was like, what's that? I, I had no <laughs> idea. He said, well, if you want to do, you know, professional theater, you have to be in this union. And if you want to just continue to do like the community theater stuff that you did this year, then you shouldn't join this union because you won't be able to do that anymore. Yeah. And I was like, what? <laughs> <laughs> I had this like moment of professional theater like what I I don't think it even occurred to me that people could make a living doing that so it was kind of one of those moments where I went I guess if I'm going to try this I better try this now because this seems like the chance and I'll probably be you know 50 and regret it that I didn't do it so I did it. And then I met these New York actors who were up there and they said, you should move to New York. So great. <laughs> so I was like, that sounds easy. I'll go do that. <laughs> yeah. And I was so sure that I would come down here and totally like bomb in the first six months to a year. So I gave myself a year. I was like, just, you know, give it a year and then come back home mm-hmm. with your tail between your legs and go back to law school or whatever you're going to do. And so I kept getting little jobs that would suck me back in and I'm still yeah. here. <laughs> yeah, I'm still here. <laughs> That's fantastic. That's so, yeah, cool. put that on the album list. Yeah, I'm still absolutely. here. Definitely. So do you like do everybody's taxes? <laughs> I don't. Have a side business. Yeah, Broadway I taxes. Should, I mean, I'm, I wasn't an accounting major, but I did have to take accounting. Mm. I think like two different accounting classes. It was never my favorite. Mm. I mean, I do... I, I try to do my own bookkeeping, but I'm um, <laughs> not the best. I think, you know, I probably made a good choice not pursuing that. <laughs> Did you, like, have a history of musical theater in your family or, like, in your house? You watched the, the classic movies? Um, I mean, we watched The Sound of Music yeah. once a year when it was on, and we watched 1776 mm-hmm. once a year when it was on. Mm-hmm. I think my parents had cast albums from West Side Story, <laughs> And what was the other one they had? They might have had, I think, Godspell for some reason. I I recall listening to that. But it wasn't a very, Hmm. it wasn't a theatrical house at all. Hmm. I mean, my dad has a really nice singing voice. And he now sings with like a men's choir just for fun. But uh, he didn't then, you know, he just sang at church, not even in the choir at church, just like, you know. So no, I don't know that. I think that's why I, it never occurred to me that people would do this for a living. Um, so I don't know where it came from. Do your kids love musical theater? No. (laughs) (laughs) It's just you. (laughs) And you don't. Their dad. Yeah. Yeah, Dad loves it. Although, you know, I think he's a little tired of it now too. We're both like, oh my God, how many more years do we have to (laughs) sing for our supper? Um, no, my kids have had no interest, which is good. I mean, you know, I don't know how all parents feel, but I'm sort of relieved that my kids mm-hmm. don't seem to be interested in the business. Mm. It's a hard business. You know, it's really hand. hard. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Not a lot of stability. Yeah. Well, now you're in a show. Yay. Yay. Let's hope it has stability for a while. Yeah. One last question. Sure. That's mm-hmm. probably the weirdest thing we'll ask you. Okay. I don't know what this question is going to be. <laughs> you will. Sure, sure. Do you have a white Vespa that you drive? It's black. Oh. Why did you see me? There was like three different people were like, I saw Carolee Carmelo on a white Vespa. She looked like an angel. (laughs) And I was like, oh my God, that's amazing. Wasn't her. Um, I always wanted a Vespa. No, I have a black one. And it's actually, 
it looks just like a Vespa, but it's a Yamaha, uh, like knockoff of a Vespa because <laughs> it's a little bit cheaper. But yeah, in the summertime, I ride it in from Jersey and that's awesome. park it on the street. Oh, that great. sounds like such that's a nice so summer thing. It yeah. is. It's really fun. I probably should get something bigger because it's not the most like stable mm. thing in the world to be riding across the George Washington Bridge on. But um, yeah, I really, I had to get a motorcycle license and stuff. It was really fun. Oh. Did you go to class? Or did they just I, give it to I, I hired someone off Craigslist <laughs> to teach me how to pass the test. That's amazing. Because all the classes that I found were always on the weekend and mm. I could never go. It was like, you know, all day Saturday and Sunday and then you get your license, but I could never do it because I had matinees. Mm-hmm. So I hired this like random person mm. to come and teach me and I passed my test. Mm. Nice. Congratulations. <laughs> Thank you. Congratulations on finding that really. Thank you so much. Um, it's at the Lunt Fund. Tan or Tane. And, uh, <laughs> They're oh, dead. They don't yeah. care anymore. <laughs> it's in previews now. And hilariously, it opens on tax day. Yes. <gasps> Whoa. It does. It's yeah. hilarious. April 15th. Throwback to University of Albany Business School. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for talking to us. Yeah, my pleasure. That's our show. Until next week, you can follow us on Twitter at, at Patty, the letter N, Emily, Patty, N, Emily. You can follow us individually at Patty with Y and at Emily Faye Oakley and find us anywhere else on the internet by searching Patty and Emily. Be sure to subscribe to us on iTunes, rate us and leave us a comment and we'll read it on the show. Send us your topic suggestions, questions, dreamcasts, etc. And in the meantime, go, go see live theater. theater.